0: Hello, everybody. You're listening to a Bitcoin and Markets live stream. My name is Ansel Lindner. And on this show, I give you a unique perspective on Bitcoin, macro, and geopolitics. You can find me all over. Follow me on Twitter at Ansel Lindner. The Telegram channel is doing really well. So go to t.me4 slash Bitcoin and Markets to join there to listen to these live streams live. You can find the show in any podcast app. Just search for Bitcoin and Markets or go to Bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash find us, and you can find most big podcast apps will be listed there. We're also on Rumble and Odyssey, so you can find our channels and go subscribe and give us likes so we can um, reach more people over there on those video apps. We have lost our YouTube channel. And lastly, make sure you're subscribed over on Bitcoinandmarkets.com to get notified of all of my content. All right. Let's jump in to today's topics. What is up, guys? Hope you are well. It is December 5th, 2022, Monday. Happy Monday to everybody. Hope you guys had a good weekend and had some time to relax, perhaps get out with friends and family, you know, making relationships with people. That's what's really, really important, especially in these times of great change that we're going through and about to go through even more. I think it is very important to uh build relationships not just with family but you know people on your block get to know them have card night or have some you know maybe even football night or something you know have uh or soccer I guess <laughs> with the world cup and everything I mean have place times that you can get together and as an excuse to build those relationships and and I I'm, I'm sure that most people are lacking these close relationships and really want to build relationships with people. Um, of course, there's a lot of even adults are playing video games and things. I mean, adults like my age are older, even people older, they, they're losing themselves in video games and uh, it's just not good, right? So we need to have a lot of human to human interaction and whatever we can do, our little part to do that, I think is very important. But anyways, uh, let's get on to the Bitcoin stuff. So today is Monday. This is the day that I write my report. So if you guys are not subscribed to the Bitcoin Fundamentals report, get on over to bitcoinandmarkets.com, sign up for the free tier. And if while you're over there, if you like my live streams, you like my podcast, if you're listening on the podcast app, uh, consider subscribing for the $5 a month. That helps me continue to make the content and make more content some big numbers from this last month. So in November, we had, we're pushing close to three or 4,000 listens a week. And I would like to get that up to, man, if we could get to 10,000 listens a week, that'd be pretty awesome. So please share my content around everywhere, share in the bear, share to your meetups, share to those friends and family that you're spending time with. Um, at least my newsletter, because then they can have a little five minute read. Every week, just to keep up on the Bitcoin price. But, anyways, all right, let's get into more of the topics for today on the report. Man, it, I start with a headline section, and it was there's just not a ton of stuff, unless I want to write every single week about FTX. And really, the news for FTX hasn't changed. I mean, some of the panic or some of the concern in the space about the insolvency of players like tether like coinbase uh, like bitgo and wrapped Bitcoin like grayscale those things have kind of those those concerns have definitely gotten less and less throughout the last couple of weeks and Sam bankman is still walking free same with that Caroline chick from Alameda so you know nothing really has changed people are just going to continue to say, oh, he needs to get arrested. Here's another crazy, horrible, illegal, fraudulent thing that he did. And yeah, I, I believe it all. at this point, um, you can't surprise me with the next fraudulent thing coming out about Sam Bankman, because I mean, Bitcoiners haven't been around for a long time. So if you're new to Bitcoin, Um, (laughs) welcome to the last couple months because it's been crazy. But if you're new to Bitcoin, Bitcoiners have been talking about this for years. Since the very first altcoins came out, they have been labeled scams. And this is just the most blatant fraudulent activity. But just think of all the, I think of all of the crap that went on with ICOs. Nothing really came out. There's a few maybe stories. A few projects blew up, but nothing systemic like this FTX thing. So anyway, nothing surprises me anymore about that. But I do pull out a few things like Tim Draper. He uh, has a new, just a today or yesterday, a headline came out where he is predicting $250,000 Bitcoin by the end of next year. It's possible, man. It's very possible. Uh, Somebody in the Telegram, let me find that comment, made a good point, okay, in regards to this Tim Draper story that I posted this morning. It was, Reed said, everyone seems to think that the suddenly part of the adoption curve is right around the corner. When the dam will break is perpetually 12 months out. (laughs) I mean, that's true. There is an S-curve of adoption, though, if you look at, like, active wallets with over one bitcoin or those types of metrics we just talked about willy woo's chart the other day where he showed you know in the first six months there was a thousand users then in the first five years there was a million or something like that and then in the the next few years it's gone up to 300 million so like there is a really fast adoption curve happening and you can have like these periods, of course, where you have manipulation, uh short term manipulation where you have cycles, right? Booms and busts. But if you took a long term moving average, it's still going up almost at the probably the same rate that it always has. I mean, the first couple of years were extremely fast for price to move up from zero to thirty two dollars and then to one thousand dollars. That was really, really quick. But um Since then, you know, it's still gone at a fairly fast clip. And so you have to look at these longer term moving averages. Also, the S-curve, it totally could. I mean, it could happen very, very quickly, just like the news from FTX. All of this stuff happens. It gets reported. And a week later, you look back and you're like, oh, my God, so much has happened in that week. You know, there's what's the saying that there's um, decades where nothing happens and then weeks where... What is that saying? It's like weeks where decades happen, something like that. Um, or gradually, then suddenly, those type of sayings. It could happen very, very quickly. We could wake up and, and within a month or two, it changes. And most likely, that will be how it happens. The, the market is not going to be fair and let everybody get in. Like, oh, Bitcoin is going up 1% a week perpetually and everybody can get in. You know, it doesn't matter if you get in this year or next year, it's still in the same ballpark. You know, you, you're not too late. No, I think that it's going to happen where it gets repriced really, really quickly and everybody's late. So, I mean, good comment. I, I agree. It's kind of like a uh, 12 months out. We're just wrong on the time. It's not if it's when, right. And yeah, 12 months, because that's a, How far usually maybe we have we can see out that oh, there's gonna happen in 12 months. Well, um, Tim Draper did predict from 1,000 to 10,000 in within three years, and it did go to 20,000. So he has had that prediction. Um, I mean, he's been pretty on, he's made lots of good investments, obviously. He's made some piss poor investments like Theranos and others, but anyway, that's enough about him. Uh, What other news do I have that I wrote about in this week's report or that I included in this week's report? Of course, the attacks on Bitcoin are continuing with the ECB and now uh, constantly having flood. I just saw another tweet this morning with an ABC uh, image out of an ABC news article that showed all the bubbles in history and Bitcoin as being the largest bubble of them all. But of course it's just like zoomed in. It's just the last few years that they use instead of, you know, like three years, instead of all the years leading up to that, when you have multiple bubbles. And this is something I said on the last live stream is that Bitcoin, you know, Ponzi's don't tend to reflate, especially not three, four, five times. And that's what Bitcoin has done. So while there are some Ponzi aspects to Bitcoin, right? You want to be early and you will benefit from later adopters. Uh, but that's how all technology is. That's how all network effects work. You know, are all network effects Ponzi's? Kind of. I mean, kind of. Depends on how you look at it, right? But it's definitely these FUD articles are continuing. And, you know, same thing, different cycle. All right. Some other headlines, uh, macro headlines. So Taiwan's elections were kind of interesting. I really didn't follow this until the last maybe 48 hours. I've read a couple articles on this and so they have these two main political parties, from what I understand, and the one that was in power—you've seen that the female president or prime minister, whatever her role is, uh, the leader of their government—she was not anti-China, but she was much more towards courting U.S. and Japanese protection. Okay, courting outside protection against China. Well, their founding political party, the KMT, I think this was the original Republic of China. Party. Uh, they are much more attuned with one China, two systems, not wanting, you know, they're wanting peace. They're not wanting to antagonize China. Well, the, there was a huge swap from this, uh, the ruling political party, back to the KMT, that is a much more peaceful party. But when you go through and you count some of the numbers in this article, I saw the reporting was it was just a maybe a 10,000, maybe 100,000 vote swing. No incumbents lost that actually tried to get into, you know, um, national posts or national uh, offices. None of the incumbents lost. It was only the people that stepped down or weren't going back up for reelection. They flipped many of those seats flipped. So it looks, (coughs) sorry, it looks on paper, hold on, sorry. It looks on paper like a much bigger shift than it is. Uh, This is interesting in the respect that, you know, China could take over Taiwan with soft power, you know, taking over the elections, slowly but surely turning the electorate against more of the Taiwanese independence types. So that's very interesting. I, I remain, I stick by my analysis that china cannot militarily take taiwan back so if they're going to do something uh, it would have to be through this sort of soft power or i mean not even a blockade i don't think they would even do that because that's partly military and china is way way too vulnerable to international shipping and international markets to to do something like that so we'll have to see We'll have to see how Japan and the U.S. responds to these new elections, what the arms sales that they have signed, if those things get renegotiated or even totally scrapped. Uh, we'll have to see how that develops. But again, this KMT is not like we want to be part of China. We want to dissolve the Taiwanese government and just become a provincial government and stuff, just like every other province in China. That, that's They're not saying that at all. They just don't want to antagonize China, So they probably would stiff arm Pelosi coming over there, you know, uh, stiff arm some of those type of uh, stunts that antagonize China. All right. Next story is OPEC. OPEC Plus to keep production levels the same, just back and forth. They're trying. I think they try to keep the price relatively stable around $80 a barrel um, by all of these headlines. So there's also a the Russian price cap or the price cap on Russian oil, sorry, went into effect today. And the way that works is, um, well, let me just read this little snippet I have. Per the price cap, Russia can export crude oil, ship it, and insure it using the services of Western companies only if it sells it at $60 a barrel or less. Because all the biggest shipping and insurance companies are based in Western Europe and the U.S. The authors of the cap assumed it would be enough To bind Russia to its conditions. Uh, We'll see. They could just put it in tankers that aren't Russian flagged, I would say. And I saw another story that was, um, they're building a secret oil fleet, you know, some, some large uh, oil tankers that probably aren't even going to be flagged under Russia. They'll be like Singaporean or they'll be Panamanian or something like that. And they'll just continue shipping their oil. It's just like all these other loopholes that you could drive a a bus through. Uh, I assume that this will have the same sort of effect that they, but they they couldn't show the world and especially their own people over there that they couldn't agree on a policy like this. This was a headline policy that they talked about for months and months. I mean, Janet Yellen kind of floated this idea what, six months ago? And so they kind of had to show that they have some sort of solidarity, that they have some sort of, their political institutions still work, right? They couldn't just totally abandon this idea. So, I mean, I haven't looked at the fine print uh, or the exact wording of this type, this sanction here, but the, I'm sure there's gigantic loopholes in this. All right. What else do we have? Price section. You'll have to read that. Mining section a couple news items here in mining the sales of bitcoin mining rigs in Russia surge in Q4 a new report by Comersant i don't know what that is revealed that sales of bitcoin mining machines in the country surged rapidly in the fourth quarter and a trend backed by a resurgent a resurgence of demand despite the chaotic price action of the crypto asset also not directly Related to this, but uh, still with Russia. Russia's head of Congress Finance Committee said Bitcoin and crypto products will definitely be legal next year. I mean, it is such a good match, a good fit with Russia and Bitcoin. I would assume sooner rather than later, they'll come around and they'll at least legalize most activities with, with Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining. I don't see... There's no downside for them, in my opinion. All right. What else do we have for mining? An article by, is it Zach Zach Vowell? He's a longtime Bitcoin writer, and he's writing here for Bitcoin Magazine. And this article is, data suggests Bitcoin miners have capitulated. Bottom is close. Uh, Generating fear, uncertainty, and doubt around on-chain movements of Bitcoin from miner addresses is a popular pastime for Twitter influencers and observing minor balances can be helpful. Current data shows notably larger balances compared to just a month ago. In short, net selling activity by miners appears to have subsided and their stockpiles of Bitcoin are on the rise again. So this makes me think uh what I have said in the past about this on the, on the newsletter. I don't remember talking about this on the podcast or anything, but they're going to streamline their activities, right? So the initial acute financial stress of these miners has subsided and they're getting back to stacking with their more streamlined business. That's good. That's good. That, that does mean that these capitulation events might be shorter of shorter duration in the future which will lead to less volatility in price, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, as Bitcoin matures, as Bitcoin mining matures, there there's going to be less and less volatility in the Bitcoin price and Bitcoin operations and Bitcoin profits and, and everything. So this is an interesting angle to take. All right, what else? We just have one small Lightning Network article. You guys can read read that newsletter if you want to get that. Let's get into the credit thing. So, over the last couple of days, I've noticed a couple of posts about Bitcoin and credit. And I've talked about that quite a bit here on the podcast, but th- this is an angle, not from understanding credit in general. And like, I've talked a lot about deglobalization and credit markets and how Bitcoin will react to the declining system as it is, how Bitcoin will work itself in. But this is more like, From a Bitcoin future perspective, what will credit look like? And the first thing I posted uh, was a tweet from John at Swan. I guess he works for Swan Bitcoin. And he was talking about George Gammon and Jeff Schneider. I have not listened to this interview, but I will as soon as possible. (laughs) In the latest convo between George Gammon and Jeff Schneider, George gives us the following example. A total of 10 gold coins exist in an economy. Alice agrees to give Bob wheat in exchange for a gold coin, but instead, both sides of the exchange happening now. But instead of both of the sides of the exchange happening now, Alice gives Bob the win- the wheat now and agrees to accept the gold coin from Bob in a year. George and Jeff both say that this is an increase in the amount of purchasing power and therefore an increase in the total supply of money. The scenario they're describing is actually commodity credit, and it does not result in an aggregate increase in purchasing power, nor an aggregate increase in the total money supply. Proponents of Austrian economics have no issue with commodity credit. Okay, first off, this is not commodity credit necessarily, just because they use the word gold and talk about gold coins doesn't mean it's commodity credit. So this guy, Bob, who has to pay in a year's time, um, he can make 15 of those promises, a million of those promises. Let's say he makes one promise a day for a whole year, 365 promises of one gold coin. But he doesn't even have the gold coin, right? That the amount of promises in the um economy expands it has nothing to tie it to savings whatsoever so how does this you know commodity credit is savings credit, like credit that comes directly from savings when i have an extra bitcoin and i lend out that bitcoin that's commodity credit but that's not what hap- what is happening here at all in this example. Let me let me continue and then I'll go into some other points. George and Jeff neglected to distinguish between commodity credit versus circulation credit. In their scenario, Bob ends up with wheat, and Alice ends up with a paper claim that says Bob will pay her a gold coin in a year. The total money supply remains unchanged at 10 gold coins. Well, yes, the money supply does, but not the not the amount of circulating gold coins. You know, what if, what if he goes out and does a bunch of promises? Yes, that is eventually he will have to default, but it is not like there's, think about this. If there's 10 gold coins and it's the same to have a transaction with a gold coin or to promise to pay a gold coin tomorrow, uh, you can have a million transactions in one day for one gold coin. So the amount of economic activity can go up based on this these notional gold coins. Of course, it affects the total supply of money. It affects the total circulation of these promises and all this. So let's continue. The paper claim does not circulate as money. Of course it does. Of course it does. The example that I used in Telegram. Sorry, I got to scroll up here. Okay, so the example I use is, um, oh, let, let me just finish that tweet before I say mine here. The paper claim does not circulate as money. Why on earth would it? Next time you need to pay a $100 bar tab, try paying with a piece of paper that says your buddy Jim owes you $100. See how that goes. The only way that credit results in an aggregate increase in money supply is if unbacked paper claims circulate as money. Okay. It does. So here's the example. All right, guys, breaking in here on the edit because I didn't do a very good job, concise job in the live stream. But what I want to say here about this John at Swan example, the $100 bar tab and not being able to use an IOU to pay it. Of uh, course you can. What if your, la- <laughs> your buddy's last name is Morgan or Rothschild or you have a little note that says Visa or MasterCard on it? Yeah, of course you can use an IOU to pay for a bar tab. That's what we do, actually. And then, of course, that bar owner will take that IOU, and then they'll pay their bartender. And then that bartender will take that and pay his rent. And it all happens before any settlement. It's just a balance sheet entry. No, this totally circulates. And back to the gold coin example, where Alice is owed a gold coin from Bob. Alice can take that promise of one gold coin and she can go to spend it. You know, she can go to her village, wherever, and she can go to the window glazer and buy new windows for her shop. Or she can go to the cobbler and get new shoes or whatever. She can go out and spend that IOU, that gold IOU. It will circulate. It won't circulate if it's been spent across the world or something are very far flung places. You can't take an IOU from a person in Jacksonville, Florida and take it to San Francisco and try to spend it. It's not going to work. That's why the free banking era, there was tons of banks and they usually would honor people would honor like silver certificates or whatever from regional or local banks only. Because they were more trusted. It's all about the trustworthiness of that debtor. So, of course, these IOUs circulate. That's the whole problem with them. If there is a problem, if you say there is a problem, that's the whole problem with them. Um, So, really, commodity credit is a weakness. It really is. So, Austrians are okay with commodity credit, but you cannot stop commodity credit from Evolving into circulation credit. You cannot stop it. And that is part of the business cycle. I'll also state here that Austrians have a problem with explaining pure credit based money, which is what we have today pure credit based money. Of course, Mises wrote the book on credit (laughs) and business cycles and all of that. But the way they would explain a pure credit based money is that it would almost instantly collapse and that has not been the case we've been at least 50 years if not going back 75 years there's no fine line here between one and the other it's uh, you know an evolution towards pure credit based money but it's still going right and it's not inflating it's actually deflating at the end of a credit cycle so austrians have a big problem explaining that so what does the future look like well the future is going to be a spectrum it's going to be a spectrum of some more credit worthy banks being able to leverage their deposits more than other banks that are less credit worthy. You know, if your bank has a morgan on at the end of it, it's probably going to be able to have more fractional reserve. It's gonna have create more circulation credit, be able to support more credit carrying capacity than just a local bank or maybe even a bank, say in Brazil or a bank in Thailand or something. They are all going it's going to be a spectrum and it will be competition and Eric Yates gets into that here in the next section so let's jump into that. All right, so that's the first thing and the second thing was um this Yates. Let me get bring this up. So Eric Yates met him at a Bitcoin day event but uh he he has this little handwritten image that I also put in telegram and he says uh, credit will exist on a bitcoin standard but the ability to run a fractional reserve bank will be very challenging and potentially not possible his reasons are number one bitcoin and the lightning network solves a lot of problems that credit monies mm-hmm. served historically this is a very good point, okay, because one reason why there is so much credit <laughs> there is a need for so much credit is because of we can't send money over a communications channel right so you needed to have these book entries that these banks had trusted third parties had, and you had so you had to have this a derivative of money which is which is credit, so you could pay these long distance things, or you can even pay online or whatever. So there was a need for this credit to be built into the system. But with Bitcoin and Lightning, that need is much less. That's a very interesting point. Okay, number two, credit itself would be significantly less on a Bitcoin standard as it will be deflating. Oh, deflationary. So, true, but that doesn't mean I understand. This is the main point, but... That doesn't have anything to say about credit. Um, it just means that the, the credit will, I mean, it's, maybe it's an incomplete thought, that the credit will have to deflate, or the, oh God, the credit will have to default on a much more regular basis. And you won't get these gigantic, systemic, global credit bubbles like we have today. Because it is deflating. And it'll be even better than gold in that respect, because gold had significant periods of inflation, right? All of the, like the gold rushes were significant periods of inflation globally. On average, it's like one or 2% a year, but Bitcoin won't even be that much. So there will be this um, much bigger force because it's deflationary has a bigger force to constrain the, uh, buildup of credit in the system. So I don't know, maybe his number two is just incomplete. Okay, number three, competition with full reserve institutions earning a yield from lightning network routing and liquidity leasing will make it harder to run a financial oh sorry, a fractional reserve institution. It's his handwriting, so it's a little bit hard. So uh yes, that's true. And I think that's interesting with the uh, risk-free rate that the Lightning Network offers. Uh Nick Batia famously has this risk-free rate. And that means you just run this lightning network and just by routing transactions, you can get a, a risk-free rate that way. I mean, it's not completely risk-free because you can have problems with your node. There's always a risk involved. So you are getting compensated for your risk, just like uh, government securities are not completely risk-free, even though they're called a risk-free rate so uh, but that that's similar that they will lightning nodes and liquidity leasing can take the place of holding treasury securities which i think is pretty incredible i mean obviously not all of the demand for that but to a, a large degree for any sort of income right if you're doing income investing or you're investing for to get dividends and stuff that would be a very good substitution using the Lightning Network um, and providing the liquidity leasing and all that. Now, how does that make it harder for fractional reserve institutions? Um, Maybe, but that's just a very small sliver of the world and of the financial system. I think that the lack of capital in some places, so some places today have more liquidity based on the the current system, you know, because there is redistributive effects in the world today based off of the IMF, the World Bank, different types of lending that's forced on people. And so those sources of liquidity will dry up in a lot of certain places in the in the world. And so they will have to rely more on fractional reserve because there will be less capital there. So it, and anyway, I, I would say that this is not universally applicable, this number three. And number four, uh, information transparency, capital mobility, and leverage scalability for arbitrage trades would make it very easy for competing fractional reserve banks to put each other out of business. This is also a very interesting thing. So FTX couldn't grow into a globally systemic problem because it's relatively transparent and some, you know, uh, CZ saw what was happening and others saw what was happening. And they were able to blow each other up. I mean, that's a great way to have creative destruction is to have this sort of competition, direct, transparent competition. I think that's very, very interesting and a good point here by Eric Yakes. All right. That's all I have. I'm going to open it up here on Telegram for people to make any comments, say, I'm an idiot, I'm not understanding this, or whatever. Go for it. All you got to do is raise your hand and I'll click on you. While I'm waiting for that, just uh, remember, make sure you're subscribed over on BitcoinandMarkets.com to the free weekly newsletter. Comes out every Monday. Oh, and get your entries in if you have not done so. Get your entries in for the monthly pick I extended it for another day because we had half as many as usual entries. The link is in Telegram. All right, no hands. All right. Sorry, guys, on Twitter Spaces, I can't listen uh, to any requests for questions over there because I have a lapel mic on and it's not set up properly for me to hear you. If you want to make comments and stuff, go to telegram t.me forward slash Bitcoin and markets. All right. Nobody's raising their hand, so I'm going to call it there. Thanks, guys, for subscribing and listening, taking part in the community, and I will see you tomorrow. Bye.